Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. So you'll remember last week uh, that I joked that Dave was the voice of coronavirus. Um... Please say that uh, Dave is is very much recovered. Ahoy, ahoy. Um, and then I also think I made some sort of joke, and I was like, ah, by next week, I'll probably, whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm in isolation. <laughs> oh, dearie me. I don't have COVID. You don't have COVID. That's the important thing, isn't it? So you've just, you've you've interacted with a COVID person. I, uh, I have two days left in isolation. Oh, my days. So between us, eh? We've we've seen a lot of our own living rooms this last few weeks. I thought, oh well, at least I can do like I give the whole flat clean, like I can clean the bathrooms. Done none of that. No, you'll do nothing, mate. I did absolutely nothing for my entire ten days. It was an absolute embarrassment. Yeah, and I think that's fine. I think you got to relax and you got to just take some time. You know. Of course, I am very fortunate not to be poorly. Mm. And do you know what the highlight of my day has been, Dave? Other than this, this? Oh no, 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 no. A a man came to to trim the hedge. Yes. Um and and that that was just quite exciting. Oh right, just happening. just the, the That's it. I see, just the literal existence of that man, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing particularly happened when he was there. No. He said hi. <laughs> well there you go. Well, I better make this count then, hadn't I? Yeah, please do. Uh should we talk about friends? Yes, and uh it's time to wrap up the one that could have been part two. We are midway through, aren't we? The alternate reality of uh of season six. The strange, strange decision to do a show in a different timeline. And the alternate titles, we were right, they do exist, because right, they're in the second part. Like, a sort of strangely huge effort to go to and only use it once. Yes. They could have used it, but at least twice, couldn't they? Well, they've also sort of shot loads of different little scenes to go within the titles themselves. Right. Like, there's that one, like, did they just get Barry in just to cut his toenails? There's that one where he sat on the bed just cutting his toenails yeah. while Rachel sits next to him. And I that's a whole that. scene that they've shot separately. I know. I thought that they've, 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 they've shot a lot of things that weren't in the actual episode, um, which I presume, you know, most of them are in, you know, that Barry scene will have been on the same day they filmed him for 10 seconds cheating on Rachel, you know, but... But still, there's a lot of effort they've gone to there. Also, did you notice the really weird, like, cutaway clip in the credits with Ross and Carol, where Ross is basically trying to kiss her shoulder, I think, and she yeah. is physically, like, physically... It's very uncomfortable. 
It is. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. It's very odd. And then his weird uh, karate move to camera. He's looking directly down the lens, which is odd. (laughs) Friends breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, it's very strange, isn't it? Uh, Shall I do the synopsis of part two then? So, Monica plans to lose her virginity to her boyfriend Roger, but Roger's busy schedule intervenes. When Chandler attempts to comfort her, they end up in bed together. Meanwhile, Ross attempts to spice up his marriage by suggesting a threesome, leading to the realisation that Carol is a lesbian when he's left out of the action. Rachel falls for Joey after seeing him in Central Perk. We saw that last week, obviously. And the two nearly have an affair before Rachel discovers Barry is cheating on her. And Phoebe... It's uh, returns to work after being fired and not. Uh, it's basically it doesn't. This doesn't say this in the synopsis. I was freestyling and I, I lost confidence in it. <laughs> Phoebe goes back to work and they tell her she's already been fired. The end. She has another heart attack. I think now we know why Dave always reads it from Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of which, two two five five six six. Oh yes. And it's another Michael Lembeck, another Lembecky. This second half was written by David Crane and Marta Kaufman, which is really interesting, isn't it? The first half wasn't. Um, so, did you notice any sort of particular difference in the in the writing? Uh, n- no. Oh, it's strange, isn't it? I wonder why they suddenly they don't, don't don't seem to write many episodes anymore. Like this is pretty much the only one they write in. In fact, the only one they write in the whole season. Um, maybe they just I just fancied having a bit of fun with the old alternate sort of uh, timeline. Well, I wonder if because of the time pressure, you know, we talked about how it's this is probably a last minute decision to do this episode. I wonder if they had to. All hands on deck it, you know? Mm, maybe. Go away and write it. Go away and write it. I think we can um, split this one into into plot lines this time because there are sort of distinct elements to it, aren't there? We've got the sort of Ross and Carol, Joey and Rachel, Monica and Chandler, and then sort of Phoebe. I mean, Phoebe's bits are so small, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, should, should we go there first? Uh, yeah, let's go there first, shall we? Because, bas- I mean, basically, the entirety of Phoebe, she's quite prominent in the first half of this, isn't she? Um, and as we discussed, both on this episode and on the correspondence, really good. Like, um, stock bitch Phoebe is great, isn't she? And also, um, her colleague, there's one of her colleagues has a cameo, which is so great, where she walks past as Phoebe's having her second heart attack. Hmm. And she's like, oh, hey, Phoebe, good to have you back. How's it going? And Phoebe says something like, oh, I've just got fired and I'm having a heart attack. And she goes, oh, well, welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> that is actually just somebody that, uh, it's like one of the extras that, that yeah. they, they, they brought in. Um yeah, that's really well done, isn't it? It's really funny, that bit. But, but I mean, basically, Phoebe is quite annoying in this episode. She just gets more She's and more shrill. irate yeah. in the hospital, finally escapes and heads back to work, turns up, finds out she got fired, sort of stands her ground a bit and gets worked up again and has another heart attack. The end. I mean, that's literally... There's three scenes that she's basically in, isn't there? And and, and having sort of dominated the storyline in the first part, that's just a quick wrap-up, I think, and... um. And then she's, she ends in Central Perk playing the guitar. Yes, and uh, she sings a line in the Central Perk song where she calls her old colleagues bastards, which I hadn't seen before. I was going to say that. That's a, that, When I saw that, I thought, Pete's never going to have seen this on terrestrial yeah. television. Yeah, a little sweary addition to the song because it ends with her just going, la, 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 la. And I think I, I did have a memory of that sort of coming out of nowhere. Yes. So that's obviously the point at which they cut out the bastard, so to speak. Cut out the bastards. Uh, very big crowd in Central Park is the only other thing to notice. Like, it's a oh, remarkably yeah. big audience that she has, isn't it? 
alternate reality where Phoebe's a really popular musician. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe she's rented them with her stock millions. That's true. Stock market millions. Um, all right, where do you want to start properly then? We've got Ross and Carol, Joey and Rachel, Monica and Chandler. Uh, should we do a bit of Joey and Rachel? Yes, shall we? Yes. So the first half last week, Rachel gets all fangirly over Joey, doesn't she? And... Uh, he asks her out, but she's like, oh, I'm married and doesn't. And then at the end of last week's episode, she rings him and says, can I come round, basically? And that's where we find them when we meet them this time, isn't it? Yeah, both getting incredibly drunk and admiring Joey's tacky, hideous, tasteless apartment. I would say she's getting incredibly drunk. He actually seems very... Comp- like, it's, it's, it's a little bit uncomfortable, this whole storyline, because she seems really drunk. Like... I mean, to the point where she kisses Joey and then vomits. Yes. But he seems very sober. Although there is that quite harrowing detail of a fish that met a very grisly end. Yes, Joey talks about putting a fish in the um, sort of water window thing. Not clear where the fish would even go, is it? I mean, unless there's, I assume there's some sort of tiny tank at the bottom, but no fish would get any daylight down there. No, did he sort of put it in the, is it like a little... The water presumably is between two panes of glass, right? But it doesn't seem like it'd be, it'd be <laughs> wide. Squashed it through with the <laughs> yeah. two panes of glass. Sort of forced it right through the... Yeah, it feels a bit odd, yeah. doesn't it? Um, have you had fish? Never had a fish, mate, no. You know, I'll be honest, I don't see the point of a fish. Um, well, that's a very, very bold statement. Well, as a pet, I'm, I, like a, I like cuddling a pet, you know? You can't really cuddle a fish. That, no. That's famously true, yeah. Have you had a fish? When I was little, we had um, a fish called Spotty because he had, well, had, sp- had spots. Sure. Um, but then the spots disappeared and then Spotty didn't have any spots. <laughs> and then my dad came back from like a work event late one night and found uh, Spotty on the dining room carpet because it had jumped out. What, regular, or- original Spotty or non-Spotty Spotty? Or- original spot. Oh, no, non-Spotty Spotty. So already the second Spotty. No, no, this was the same fish. No, it's not, Pete. Oh, fuck. Do you reckon... <laughs> they replaced it. Do you reckon? Yeah, well, the, the fish just changed spots. As the old saying goes, <laughs> a fish never... Oh, yeah, do you think it did? This is very much like the bit in Friends where Ross and Monica are talking about their old their old dog. Yeah. And learned well, gone to the anyway, farm. Dad found Spotty on the carpet and then put it in the water and it was fine again. So it was quite a resilient fish, although perhaps not as resilient as I thought. It's because it's a young fish. It's a new fish, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry to break it to you. I thought that's I thought that's what you were implying when you when you said no, Spotty suddenly lost his spots. No, that hadn't even fucking registered. Okay, no. well, right, here we go. Can a fish lose its spots? Um, worst Aesop's fable. Surely if like it, like some of its scales change an inexpensive goldfish is most likely to change color there you go <laughs> maybe my parents aren't fish liars um, but i've never killed a fish in a water feature <laughs> no no and that's important that you continue to hold that record i would imagine never see what the time to start doing it. do you know it's the massive weird chair that joey's sitting in yes it's sort of um it's like something from a sci-fi film isn't well, it well funny you should say that pete do you know what it is from is it from the film he was in? No, it's oh. they borrowed it from the Star Trek set. Oh. It's, and I've never watched Star Trek, Pete, so I'll probably pronounce this wrong. It's Lieutenant Worf's chair. 
Doesn't mean anything to me. In print, no, no. Still, good fact. Probably mean, mean something to someone in in this world. But yeah, they they I, I can't quite work out exactly why they've done that because it looks mad as well. It's so high and like if you imagine they're basically on a date, aren't they, round Joey's? And he said, "I'm going to sit in my giant throne <laughs> while you sort of it's wander like big, around the it's apartment." Sort of got big black sort of spheres balls. on it, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I was stopping short of saying. Big balls. Big black balls. It has got big black balls sort of dangling down, hasn't it? Oh, no, no, they prop, uh, they're Hanging, protruding yeah. up. Oh, no, they're, um, they're standing tall, yeah. Yeah, standing tall. Standing. <laughs> Moving on. Um, but, but the actual vibe of the, of the, yeah, it's just odd that he's decided to sit there because she's sort of stroking Pat the dog, whose name we learn in this episode. Yeah. But... That's like she, she, he's just sat there in his big throne while she sort of walks around. What a weird, what a weird dynamic. Yeah, it's very it's quite a bit of a power move to sit in that chair, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, welcome to my flat. Have a drink. Yeah. I'll be up. I'll be up here. Yeah. Uh, she gets very excited about peeing in his bathroom, um, and then and then Joey kisses her and she immediately vomits. I mean, I just say she maybe maybe she is a bit too drunk if she immediately vomits after a kiss. Yeah, good, quite good drunk acting by uh, Jennifer Aniston. Very plausible, isn't it? Very plausible. Um, and yeah, because she sort of makes sort of falling look quite genuine um, when she slips off the chair and stuff. Yes. Um, but I, I just, I, I um, even the sound of her pretending to throw up makes me feel unwell. I oh, don't it's like horrible, isn't it? At it's all. really horrible. Uh, yeah. That, uh, do you like feel sick when someone... It's yeah, it's sick. like if you, you if you've ever had the misfortune of being in a taxi with a drunk friend, mm. and it there's I'd say there are a few things that feel as sort of intensely, imminently dangerous than being in a taxi with a friend who's very unwell. Yeah, like that situation's going to go horribly wrong very quickly. Yes, absolutely. And there's very little you can do about it because you almost don't want to preempt it because you're alerting the driver to. Yeah, the problems, but then if you don't preempt it, it's all going to go wrong very quickly, isn't it? Yeah, like one of my friends once threw up on the way to Alton Towers. On the way? Yeah. Oh no! I had a very hairy moment this weekend. Actually, I went to Latitude, so celebrating my isolation, I drove up to my friend's house in Norfolk. He lives about an hour away from Latitude, so we got a cab down to Latitude, but we had a few a few drinks on the night before, so the three of us were just. And he took a very strange diversion. Oh no! It took about an hour and twenty-five minutes, and I felt not well all the way. You know, you know when you just like, <sighs> oh no, breathing. The deep in, yeah, the deep breaths. But for, like an hour and a half is a long time in a in a in a taxi. Like it's, it's a lot of deep breaths. Really, a lot of deep breaths. Um, but there you go. But we all managed to avoid not uh, throwing up in the taxi. So a uh, triumph story in the end, eh? And a nice little triumph story in the end for Joey and Rachel because they sort of, well, it, Joey talks her up quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, so a few things happen in this scene, isn't it? So he does talk her up and he gives her this ring as a reward for not cheating on him, right? Uh, yeah, to remind her that she's a nice person. Yeah, that she's not cheated on Barry and she is a nice person. I would strongly argue the thing that stopped her cheating on Barry was the imminent vomit. Yes, like they did a they did a big kiss that was leading somewhere, and it, she didn't pull away and say, "No, I can't do this. I'm married." Did she? She, her body, projectiled something into her mouth, and she was out of action from then on in. That's very true. So I feel like the ring as a reward, whilst a nice gesture from Joey, 
was a little unjustified. Not fully earned. What well, wasn't a nice gesture from Joey. No. <laughs> and is is so so we we see her the next morning, don't we, right? So Rachel vomits and we're led to believe Joey goes to bed and Rachel wakes up on the couch, fully clothed in last night's clothes, without a cover of any sort. Uncomfortable uh, sofa to sleep on as well. He's just left her there. He's not given her a duvet or a blanket or anything. Or, as I would imagine you would do in that situation, said, look, do you want an old t-shirt? You know, do you want something that's not your jeans and fluffy top from last night that you came round and vomited in? Could have slept in the chair of balls. Could have slept in the chair of balls. Didn't though, did she? So, but yeah, it just it just felt not not the most gentlemanly um, pursuits from Joey in in that situation, eh? No, that's true. But then she goes home, catches Barry in bed with a dog walker, and um, and that's it. Boom, end of end of marriage with Barry. That is a very funny scene though. When he his, I mean, he is awful, Barry, isn't he? But his reaction is very Barry, and he says, "You you said you were going to be away all weekend." Yeah, and Jennifer Aniston's great. Oh, please, yeah. like finish or something. I it? am early. Carry on, type thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Then she storms into Central Park looking for Joey, probably just call him, and bumps into Ross. And then we get this whole. So this ties in with the Ross and, and Carol story, doesn't it? Because by this time, Ross has had his threesome with Carol, and and it's Rachel that points out that that Carol's gay. Well, and also, spoiler warning that I don't think is necessary on this yeah. podcast, but still, um. Ross still ends up learning Carol's gay. Rachel still ends up breaking up with Barry. And Chandler and Monica still end up sleeping together. So I, I think, I guess that's kind of the point it's trying to make is that, I don't know, fate was always going to draw them towards the same kind of conclusion. Well, yeah, but the interesting thing about the ending, because I thought about this, so it's it seems like that's what they're going for, doesn't it? It's written that, oh, whatever ha- would have happened, you'd have ended up in the same sort of place. So yeah, like you say... Um, Monica and Chandler get together Ross and Carol get divorced She gets with Susan Rachel walks out and bike. Phoebe ends up playing guitar in Central Perk as her sort of job, you know Yeah But Joey's just still very successful in Days of Our Lives Yeah, true, <laughs> he's, true. He, he seems to I mean, I guess maybe That looks ahead to when he gets the job back on Days of Our Lives And he becomes sort of successful again But He's the one that seems to get away with it, as it were, you know And he has his big apartment still He's got a big apartment He's got his giant ball chair he's got his big dog and his fish sucking window (laughs) just on that Joey and Rachel you know uh, Rachel and Ross are talking in Central Perk sort of towards the end of the episode it's a couple of great lines one is uh, that I use quite often is when Ross just goes we're sorry when she says all men are awful basically (laughs) yeah it's a very useful one to, to use all the time and then the final line of that scene always makes me chuckle where Rachel goes, oh, I guess women aren't that great either. And Ross says, try telling my wife that. <laughs> yeah. I guess as well the other nice point that this episode makes is that Rachel was always going to end up drawn back towards this group, which is quite nice. Right, yeah, it is interesting. Like I say, she she, she sort of is, uh, she hones back in on Central Perk, doesn't she, after after leaving the apartment where Barry was. Yeah, she's suddenly there all the time. Yeah, she's back. She's in. She's in the gang. Should we talk about Ross and Carol then, while we're, whilst we're on that list? Yeah, let's. So we pick this up after the end of the first part with uh, Ross and Carol previewing their threesome, don't we? So Carol's made a huge list of women. Incredibly long list, Like yeah. an implause. I don't think I know that many people, never mind that many women. 
Do Never you mind that many meant- people who would be up for a threesome with you. <laughs> well, I don't, I mean, at the risk of going through my sort of phone book now and this turning into a very <laughs> strange. Yeah, do you, you scroll through your contacts and just you know think whether they'd be up for a threesome with you or not. <laughs> but my point is, her list is so long that I think that's more people than I know. Never mind more people of a single <laughs> gender than I know. Never mind more people of a single gender that would be up for having a threesome with me and my partner. Like, where's Carol hanging out? I would like you to draw up that Venn diagram. <laughs> what, of, of my friends? Yes. I just think this is going to end badly, Pete, if I'm honest. So <laughs> it, feels, it feels like either an exercise we should both do, but never share it with the world, or just uh, draw a line under it now before we get into strange territory. Put that in the live show. <laughs> have we talked about the live show on this main podcast yet, by the way? I don't think we have, have we? No, we'll do that. Should we do that at, uh, do that at the end? Do it at the end. Do it at the end. There's a, we're doing a live show, guys. There's a plug yeah. coming. Um, so go. Carol's made a huge list of women. Ross tries to initiate some sex with her then, doesn't he? And, and then she Some sort of- sex, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As I said it, I thought, that doesn't sound right, but maybe, maybe people not, have picked not me up Not lots of sex, just, just some. Just well, I mean, some, some, not a lot. He doesn't get any, though, does he? Gets absolutely nothing out of it. She yeah. sort of says, you know, maybe we should save the sex so when it's not just us two. I mean, oh, it's take, I know I know the denial must kick in strongly, but it's really taken him a long time to realise that maybe not all is great in this marriage, you know? Well, it also really had to be pointed out to him that the reason for it not being great might be because she, you know, likes women. Well, it, right, it, yeah. He's too busy enjoying his turkey and mustard sandwich until Rachel comes along and points it out. Yeah, they're getting bored and making a sandwich is a nice detail, isn't it? And I like that. That's a really nice Joey and Ross scene where they're both it really was. more interested in the sandwich than the threesome by the end. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but they get Susan. So Susan and Carol have swapped hairstyles, interestingly. Have yeah, they both that? look great, yeah. Yeah, Carol's got curly hair in this and Susan's got straight hair and I, I guess that's their sort of nod to the alternate reality, isn't it? But um, but basically what, what ends up happening from what Ross tells Joey is that Carol and Susan just have sex in front of Ross. <laughs> yes, that's, yeah. That's basic, like there's no real even pretense from Carol to to sort of cover it up. I know, you know, he gets involved a little bit at the start, but basically what seems to happen is they just pretend he's not there and have sex in front of her husband. It's... It's a very weird vibe, isn't it? Fun fact, this is the last time that Susan's ever in Friends. Is it? Isn't that mad? We're only in season six, aren't we? It's also the last time Barry ever appears in Friends, but that kind of makes more sense because he's such an incidental character and a sort of focus towards the start of the story, as it were, you know? But Susan is... Yeah, I was really surprised. But I mean, unless someone... Can, can flag up and point out a, a mistake there, but I can't find any trace of Susan in any Friends episode after this one, which what a weird one to go out with. I'm willing to take your word for it. Yeah, well, I've really taken the internet's word for it, so it's now just down to anybody that wants to sit there and watch every single episode of Friends and, and with a Susan checklist, yay or nay, but I think that might be quite a dull task based on the internet's records. <laughs> Hello, I'm Chris England, and I'm here to tell you about the Fun Factory podcast, available now on Great Big Owl. 
Each time, I will be reading a couple of chapters of my novel, The Fun Factory, a historical comedy about the history of comedy, so it will kind of be like a free audiobook, which you can listen to at the gym, or jogging, or at your desk while pretending to do your job, or on the train, without the embarrassment of people seeing you actually reading a book like some kind of SWAT. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Important question because both Ross and Chandler do this at one point. Do you think karate can cure sexual frustration? <laughs> it's 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 interesting when Chandler does it as well. I know it's the running choke then, but I'd say if it could, you might be wanting to do the karate away from the partner that you're not yes. allowed to have sex with. Do you know what I mean? Like they both do it in front of the person that they want to have sex with, which as a sort of giving off a cool vibe, doesn't doesn't really get on too well, does it? Well, no. If you just did a karate move moments after being turned down, the person that you're with would just be like, what, "What the hell are you doing?" It screeches unhinged, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure that Ross's solution to sort of just be aggressive when a woman doesn't have sex with him is a is a great look. That's true. Um, but, you know, it seems to be the way that he deals with all those problems in his marriage and, um, yeah, pass it on to Chandler. So, so, I mean, there's a lot going on there because Chandler does it in front of Ross's sister. Yep, true. So there's a whole web of karate issues there. But, well, talking of Monica and Chandler, this is the sort of the final part of the storyline, isn't it, where they do eventually get together, even though at the start of the first episode... Monica sort of basically went, you're not good. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be with me if I was still fat. Again, if you didn't hear last week's episode, it's worth catching up on that first because we discussed the the Monica as fat Monica in inverted commas. Um, not very fat, is she? No, like, it's 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 a it's a really strange storyline. Um, but let's take it as read that Monica's supposed to be this abhorrent fat woman that only eats and you know that's basically the way they paint her isn't it which is very strange and that does continue a little bit this sort of really tired kind of caricature of overweight person is incapable of resisting food and that kind of that sort of stereotyping because there's that bit isn't there where her date 
has to go off to work. Roger has to go off to work, yeah. and she makes a joke about, well, none of the food will be here when yeah. you get back. I'll, basically. Be, I'll basically just eat between now and when you return. Yeah, she yeah. picks up a plate and immediately starts eating. So that's yeah. consistent between the different writers. Yeah, it's a bit wearing, isn't it? <laughs> yes. But so she's with boring Roger. Um, the, the, the weird thing about the Roger Monica dynamic is he doesn't seem to want to have sex with Monica. No, it, I, I felt quite sorry for her because she shouldn't really be working that hard to for him. No, no, exactly, exactly. She's giving it all out, signals wise, isn't she? And I'd argue he's punching. He, he, well, a he's punching, but b like he doesn't seem to be interested in having sex with his girlfriend because they've been dating for quite a while by now, haven't they? Yeah, like they've just not. They seem to have an incredibly platonic relationship where it's almost strange that she would try and initiate sex. He'd be such a boring shag as well. <laughs> He's a really good, boring cat. Like, it's played so well. I believe that that man is the most boring man in the world in real life. He you is know? socks on missionary. Yeah. <laughs> Lights off. Yeah. Absolutely. Vanilla Roger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a strange. No. Carry on. Um, but anyway, Roger gets beeped for the first time. He has to leave. And so she ends up having dinner with Chandler. And then they sort of get into this sort of jokey, like, I suppose it's quite a, probably quite a, a thing that happens between friends quite often. And they go, oh, should, should we just, should we just do it then, shall we? Um, but they sort of go back and forth and they're incredibly awkward about it, aren't they? They are, but they do, you can sort of, there is this underlying um, sort of gut instinct to want to do it, isn't there? Yeah, the initial. I mean, we we find out eventually that Chandler's only ever had sex with one other woman, but at the start, he's pretending he's had sex with four different women. But <laughs> when called out on that, he says, "I've had sex way more times." It was four different women, and he and he goes for nine times. <laughs> yeah, with it's the quite a four good, women. It's quite a good ongoing joke in this episode how that number keeps dropping. Yeah, it? just decreases each time, doesn't it? I just love the idea that he has had sex with four different women, but only a maximum of twice or three times with each one. Yeah. It's it's like not quite relationships, but not quite just one night stands. It's just a sort of, he's dabbled in and out. You know, there's that bit between Roger and Monica where she says about the oysters being an aphrodisiac. Yeah. How are oysters an aphrodisiac? Because I'd say they are a very unsexy food. I think it's something chemical, isn't it? This has always been a thing that I've never really understood because I don't like oysters at all. They don't do it for me whatsoever. I've never had one, but mainly because I just assumed that I would find it hideous and that I'd struggle to keep it down. Right, yeah, exactly. And in, in that, So oysters boost dopamine, a hormone that increases libido in both men and women. Oh. So what they, else contains dopamine? What else? Why, why, do, why do you want to know? I want dinner. Joking. <laughs> Joking. I've got isolated. a date tonight and I want to know what's, <laughs> what to have before I leave. Uh, here's a list of foods and drinks and spices known to increase uh, dopamine directly. Okay, you list them and I'll tell you whether I think they're sexy. Okay, almonds. No. Apples. No. Avocados. No. Bananas. Classic sexy fruit. Sexy, sexy fruit. Beets. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Chocolate. Obviously. Yeah, that's a sexy one. I'm just going to skip a few. Olive oil. Oh, no. Swig a glass of olive oil before you go out tonight. Lovely. Peanuts. <laughs> Again, no. Choking hazard more than anything. Yeah. Watermelon. <laughs> uh, Harry Styles made that sexy. Again, yes, so, that's yeah. true, isn't it? Lima beans. <laughs> Um, and no, beans not very sexy. And porridge. 
Um, <laughs> None of these uh, are traditionally sexy foods, are they? No, I'd say chocolate and bananas is, um, you know, sign me up. Come on over for a bowl of porridge and a glass of olive oil, and then we'll get down to it. Come round mine for some chocolate bananas. <laughs> um, Monica and Chandler. I'm, I'm single. <laughs> There's two single men reading out a list of sexy foods. What a podcast this is. You are. What welcome. about couscous, though? Well, fun fact about couscous they didn't add the second couscous until 1979. Great line. Great oh, line. line. It's very good, isn't it? Um, I'll tell you what's weird about the dynamic here is that, like in IRL, as it were, they know everything about each other, this group, don't they? Like everything. They know who's slept with who, they know who's got a third nipple, they know, you know, like they, they discover all these things. They they know each other basically inside out, as comes to, you know, when it comes to the game, when the, they can predict the contents of their shopping bag. Yet Chandler doesn't know that Monica's a virgin. Yes, that's true. In this in this reality, so maybe they're just not as close in the alternate timeline. Um, but yeah, it just feels like they know everything about each other in, in the normal world, and and she sort of has to break it to him and say, "This would be my first time." The bit where they're trying to sort of initiate sex is wonderfully pathetic, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's very uh, well, very uncomfortable, but it's supposed to be because they're close friends who are having sex for the first time yeah Chandler sort of goes in to kiss her and she sort of jumps away and then Monica turns up the lights and I'm not sure what's supposed to be happening here but she says Chandler makes some sexy noises and she says Chandler that's the couch is he humping the couch (laughs) yeah or or kissing the couch feeling it up what's he supposed to be doing I mean very unflattering for him to find it so easy to confuse him between well yes is that that another fat joke yeah I think is that ultimately what they're aiming at that it's it's Sort of touching Monica is like touching a cushion on a couch, but again, very, very implausible. Also, just a weird. Like, if you turn the lights back on, what would you see then? <laughs> sort of Chandler just sort of rubbing himself on a couch. Yeah, very strange mental image. When they do have sex, though, Chandler's still wearing his baseball cap. Yes, kept it on. Afterwards, he's still got it on, wearing it backwards. Maybe that's his kink. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe that's Chandler's alternate reality kink, eh? Um, and then this sort of concludes Chandler gets like basically quite into it doesn't he he's really excited he comes over all sort of giddy to spend more time with Monica finds out Dr. Roger's coming again and he's quite upset and Monica doesn't really get those vibes does does she at first but then he beeps Dr. Roger to take him away from from Monica that night so they can get together what I would say is Pete I don't know how beepers work but should it be that easy for a member of the public to beep a doctor from a hospital? Especially with a hoax medical emergency. Yeah. <laughs> it feels A, morally dubious, and B, like it shouldn't really be that easy to compromise a doctor's pager, at, you know, for the emergency emergency call. Hey, let's just be glad they're using the technology that's available to them. Yes, they don't that always is true. do that. <laughs> and then it's quite a nice little lovely speech, isn't it, at the end when Chandler sort of gives it all i do you know I, I you shouldn't be with him you should be with me it's we're all we're friends and, and i like it i like you this is nice and um yeah we end with monica and chandler getting back together and sort of completing the circle of back to normal life i guess what quiz is it yes and it's a bit of a bumper quiz actually dave oh yes um a whole eight questions is it um, so thank you, uh, Quizard Amy, for uh, putting this together because it's based on both episodes. Uh, of yes, of course. That's what we said. We wouldn't do the quiz last the week, didn't we? Been. Yeah. Uh, ready? I am always ready, Pete. Question one. Yep. What publication does Monica suggest Chandler should write for? 
Oh, uh, talking out of your ass magazine. Is correct. Question two. How long has it been since Ross stopped trying to have sex with Carol? Uh, Isn't it two months? Yeah, it's sort of like last weekend would have been two months, is it that? Yeah. Uh, yes, it is. Last weekend, it'll be two months. Question three. Name all the sexy role plays that Phoebe suggests to Ross. Oh, this is from last week. Isn't well, so there's two, the one in her own office. Yeah, two stockbrokers rolling around on the trading floor. Yeah. Uh, pirate and Wench is one. Yeah. But I don't know. Is there another one? Uh, yeah, Warden and Prisoner. Uh, I'll give it two, two corrects and one wrong. I love my sound effects. Uh, uh, question four. What drink does Rachel ask Chandler to get her? Oh, I don't know that. Iced tea? It's correct. Is it? Yeah, it's when he's getting the pulp for Joey, isn't it? The, ju- the juice without pulp or whatever it is. Or with the pulp, I can't remember. Um, question five. What's the name of the hospital Phoebe's in? The New York Hospital. Uh, surprisingly, that's incorrect. <laughs> It's the Beth Israel Medical Center. Oh, yes. That does ring a bell now, but I would never have got that. Question six. You should get this, Dave, because you've already said it. Actually, guess the question. Uh, what have I said? Oh, um, 1979. Is correct. <laughs> <laughs> that is the year that they added the second kiss. Good. Um, question seven. Who gave Drake the ring from the cave? Oh, not a chance. Do you know this? No. Uh, It's Capri. And finally, uh, what is the name of the man who helps Phoebe escape from the hospital? Oh, I know this. And what does she wish him good luck with? Uh, It's Lou and it's his gallbladder. Lou gallbladder, yeah, absolutely. There he is, Lou. Good luck with the gallbladder. Oh, that's Uh, all right. I lost count of what we did there. We scored some, not a lot. No, we did all right, I'd say. We did all right. Hey, Dave. Yes? Would you like to know what our next episode is? I would indeed. Then hold on, and I'll tell you. It is season five, episode 17, the one with Rachel's inadvertent kiss. Okay. Well, is Mr. that the Zelda? one with the boss? Mr. Yeah. Zelda, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, so that is what we're doing next week. Great. Season five, episode 17. Go do some homework, by which I mean watch the episode of Friends, and we'll take this opportunity to remind you about or tell you even about our live show on 4th, 4th September yes that's correct uh, at London Podcast Festival which is at King's Place in London which is quite near King's Cross yes it's very near King's Cross um, yes come down see us if you can we're not very good at plugging these things are we but there you go a live, we'll do a live show um, there'll be stuff we're not going to just do a normal episode we've decided we're going to do some fun stuff Oh, you're really, really, really selling it here. Really picking um, it up now, aren't we? Yeah, we're not going to do, like, uh, in previous years we've done, like, a live episode of the podcast. But no, this is different. We're actually going to do some shit. What is that shit? We don't know yet. But we've got some um, ideas, and it could be fun, hey? Uh, if, if you have any ideas for what we should do, <laughs> please get in touch. Come spend an hour with us whilst we just sit tapping a pencil against the clipboard going, <laughs> anyone got any ideas? Yeah. Anyone? Maybe we'll just watch. We'll just watch a couple of episodes of Friends on the screen together, shall we? At the moment, it's a Q and A with Dave Crip. <laughs> Great. I am absolutely sold for that. Uh, anyway, yeah, tickets are available. Go to the King's Place website, or we'll pop the links on the old, you know, socials and that, won't we? Yeah. All the best. Bye. Bye.
GreatBigOwl.com. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.